Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Field Hockey Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me today is Sauhegan Field Hockey Coach and AD, Kelly Braley. Kelly, how are you doing today? I'm great, Joe. Thanks for having me. All right, well, before we start the show, I just want a reminder, uh, you can send any questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now on uh, TikTok, although there's not too much there right now. Uh, at NHHS Sports. Uh, going forward, the Field Hockey Show will be posted every Monday at nh-highschoolsports.com, and that kind of, I guess, leads me into uh, to introducing uh, Kelly here, I guess. Well, I, I guess I kind of already did, but even more, <laughs> or a little further. So, um, yeah, just want to say thank you, Kelly, for uh, for joining me, for doing, will, being willing to do this. And, uh, um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. I mean, this is this is an awesome opportunity, and I'm I'll be forever grateful for the exposure you've given to the sport and our athletes and our teams and coaches. So um, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to do this. And I, I like to kind of you know share with with you know listeners maybe some of the the, the behind the scenes kind of stuff you know with with um, you know some of the the coaches that are helping out with this stuff. So you remind me again when when did you start coaching field hockey at Sauhegan? It, it feels um, like it's been forever. <laughs> I know some days it feels like it's been forever. And then there are days that really humble me and I feel like I'm brand new all over again. Yeah. So, um, I started coaching in 2009. Okay. Um, I was, I came on at that time as just a goalie coach with the program. It was my second year teaching at Sohegan and I wanted to get involved and came on and, and acted in that role for a couple of years. And then uh, the head coach before me, Sarah Barbito, went and, and, you know, started her family and stepped away from that. And I took the reins in 2011. Right. So I'm and I'm trying to think of that in my because that was that was kind of for, for me, that was kind of like my in-between period of, of covering a lot of sports was I was at the, the Milford cabinet for a couple of years doing Milford and South Egan sports. And then around 2008, 2009, got moved around and was doing less and then got laid off and then started the website and then got brought back and that, yeah. all that mess. So, yeah. So I feel, yeah, I feel like you've, it's, which I guess makes sense. It's been, been about what, 10, 11 years since yeah. you've been the yeah. head coach. And of course you also coach uh, girls ice hockey at Sauhegan about the same, same length of time with that. Yeah. Too, right? I actually, yeah, I took the, I became the varsity coach uh, in 2010 for ice hockey. Right. So it's weird to think I've been coaching ice hockey there longer than field hockey <laughs> as a head coach, but that's how numbers work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And of course, you've been the the AD now. This is what your second year or third third, third year. year. Third, wow, yeah. third year already. Yeah, um, time flies when you're having I fun. Know, yes, of course. <laughs> um, and a and a perfect time to become an athletic director, I imagine, too, in high school sports. Right, oh, right in the was, middle of a pandemic. Yeah, 2020 was was crazy, but the years that have followed have more than made up for it. So it's been great. <laughs> And of course, you know, you are, um, you know, as a, as a coach and an AD, um, you know, very involved with a lot of the stuff that goes on, not just with your own team and, and your own division, of course, you guys being in, in division two, um, but a lot of stuff, I know, uh, you guys participated, what, in a bunch of summer leagues against some other, uh, schools from, you know, not just again in the division, but outside. So, so you get, yeah. the, you're, you get to see quite a bit of what's been going on and, and, uh, keeping up with who's doing what, uh, across yeah. the state. And it's great too. our, our coaches association, like all of the coaches within the state are honestly like a, a really phenomenal group of people um, who are, I think for the most part, really in it for the right reasons, which is 
growing the game and and getting these athletes to be their best and using field hockey as the vehicle to make better people. I think we're all pretty similarly aligned on that um, initiative, I guess. And uh, so it, it makes it easy to, to talk to people and ask for resources and, and you know, uh, keep up with teams that way. And then there have been so many people that have come into the area and have helped the sport grow, you know, more clubs, more leagues, more availability for girls to get touches um, on the ball and stuff. So it's, it's made a better product all around as well. So we're, I think we're really fortunate in New Hampshire, especially because of the field hockey community that exists. And, and one of the, I will say from, from my perspective, something that I enjoy or, or appreciate quite a bit. Uh, when I first started, uh, you know, kind of focusing more on field hockey, when I reached out to some of your coaches and said, you know, how do I get, you know, contacts and this and that, and someone just fired off the, the coach's contact list for me. And it's, and it's always right there, always updated. Uh, and, and, and just, that's probably the biggest thing when, when trying to start out something like this on my end is just being able to reach out to people and, and get a hold of them. And, yeah. uh, and, and I, I, the feedback or, or the responses I got this year when looking for information, um, going into the year was, uh, was fantastic. So, I, I do. Yeah, it feels like a, a very close um, community in terms of, you know, the coaches and, and the players, too. And I know with the players, there's a lot of crossover in other sports, too. So that certainly helps. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun to be a part of. All right. Well, for this uh, this first episode or first time having you on, um, we're, we're just going to kind of jump right into some stuff that's happened, I guess, in the last kind of week or so. Um, love it. And, um, you know, you look at Division One, and I think probably the game that a lot of people had their eye on were maybe talking about. Um, I know you and I talked about it last week after I, I saw one of your games was uh, the rematch of, of the Division One final last year between uh, Wyndham and Exeter. Um, yeah, that was definitely a good one to circle on the calendar. Yeah, I it kind of I at first I didn't even I you know, I was one of those. I'm like, oh, you know, I should probably check and see when they're playing. Um, like maybe, you know, late August. And I looked and I was like, oh crap, that game's like in a week and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it was, um, it, it, you know, it was one of those, I think, you know, I, I think I texted you at halftime and I said, um, you know, I feel like Wyndham's up one, nothing. I feel like they've kind of controlled play a little bit more. And then when I kind of like replayed it a little bit in my head, just looked at some of the notes I had taken, um, you know, Wyndham got the the one goal at the the end of the or late in the first quarter, and really from that point on, Exeter put a ton of pressure on them. They just couldn't um, they couldn't find a way to score. And and uh, Wyndham's goalie um, Annie Mitchell made a, a couple of really great saves. Um, yeah, and, and when, kept I'm, it that way. Yeah, I had a. I mean, before Wyndham moved up to D one, um, you know, we had a we had a great friendly rivalry going with them, and I can tell you right now, their field is a tough field to play on. So, it didn't surprise me that they took the early lead being at home. Um, and I know too, especially like this early on in the season, a lot of teams are still kind of finding their gel, and maybe Exeter needed that kind of yeah. wake up call to get going because it seems like after that one went in, they did. Um, it's I I really wish this was like I really wish this was a game where we could see it again, you know, maybe yeah. second to last week of the season at Exeter, because I think that would be that would be a really cool. That would just be really fun to watch. <laughs> just yeah. some really good field hockey. Yeah, they um, they did play last year. I, I want to say with like 10 days left in the season, in the regular yeah. season, um, you know, and, and talking to both coaches afterwards, they I think they both were 
if they had to choose, I think they liked having it this at this point in the year just because you can kind of I, I th- the feeling I got was that they, that they can kind of use it as a barometer as to where they are. Yeah. You know, going against a team that that you know, you know is is good. Um but it was yeah, it it had the feel of like a a a playoff game, you know, a little bit. I mean, there was especially with with Exeter trying to come back and tie the game and then when they finally did, they kept pushing and pushing and then Wyndham looked like it scored late, uh, but the goal was waved off because you know the official said it, it hit someone's leg on the way in. Yeah. Um, I I will say I was nowhere near. I was the complete opposite end of the field, so in no way am I you know questioning that. But um, you know, kind of a tough tough break, um, especially after you know you'd been kind of the other team's kind of controlling the possession there for most of that second half. And, and how, how frustrating is that as a coach too, when you, when you have those kind of situations where, you know, you were controlling play, but you look up at the scoreboard and you know, you're, you're not winning. Yeah. It's brutal. I mean that it's that one touch, that one extra bounce, that one thing that you just need to push past. And it's, even though you have all the momentum and, you know, you're keeping the ball on the offensive side of the field, like not being able to finish or, or get that last, you know, piece, whatever it is to click. It's tough. It's really tough. Um, thankfully we get timeout. We get a timeout back this year. Right. I so, w- Okay. I wondered about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's huge. I, I, I <laughs> I'm a big, I was, I had a rough couple of rough couple of championships that I could have used a, a timely timeout in. So I'm, <laughs> I'm excited to have those back or at least one anyways. So, um, but yeah, I wonder, you know, in that situation, um, is that the right time to use it? Just, you know, do you see the piece that's missing? You know, is that the time to, to throw that out there and go? It's tough because you only get one, you don't get an extra one when you go into the OT. So um, yeah, it's, it's a tough call to make, but it's, it's really frustrating. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah, I have I um I don't remember I don't think it was this game, but someone some there was a game I was at that someone took a timeout and I was I was like wait a minute I thought those didn't exist anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's what yeah. the quarter the quarter breaks were supposed to be. Right. Um, so, but, but it's it's crazy because even with the quarter breaks, twelve minute like that momentum shift. If you can if you can just have a second and grab your team to be like hey 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 settle or. You know, this is the one more thing we need to do. Keep it rolling. Like it's invaluable in those in those pressure moments and heated situations. So I'm super glad to have that back. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. I, I don't think to not be able to, you know, I, I guess it's di- I mean, you don't you don't have what timeouts in soccer, but that there's just so much play, I think, that isn't, you know, in, in high danger situations like you do because yeah. the field's so big. Um, yeah. Yeah. It feels like you should be able to have that that mo- that opportunity to kind of just stop the game and slow you know slow things down for a moment when you when you want yeah. to yeah well, that, that's good to know <laughs> yeah so uh, just one <laughs> yeah you know um you know so they finished that game in a tie uh both both uh Exeter and Wyndham uh at 4-0 and 1 on the year um which is kind of interesting to see that they you know the identical records and that that kind of mm-hmm. is, is will be interesting moving forward of course i mean they both still have a lot of big games coming up uh exeter with one actually coming up on friday or excuse me they have uh i would say two big games coming up this week um with with dover at home on wednesday and then they got to go play at bedford friday night uh you know a bedford team that is um you know just putting up a ton of goals i think early in this yeah. season 
um, you know, just just going through a stretch like that, um, you know, that that's that can be kind of brutal, especially going back and forth. I think what they play, you know, Wyndham on grass, Exeter's, you know, they got to go to Salem mixed in there too. They played at Merrimack last week, so you're you're playing a yeah. bunch of games on grass when you're used to turf, and then you're going back to the turf after that. Yeah, I'd much prefer going grass to turf than turf to grass, right? Like when you get in that. At, right. at least for us, when you get into that mode of like just the the speed game, the quick short balls, like, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's a screeching halt, and you've got to go to grass. It slows everything down, and it makes things a bit more frustrating, I think, for the for the players, definitely for me. But when you go grass to turf, it's like you know maybe it'll take you half a quarter or something to remember. Oh yeah, the ball moves a whole lot better here, <laughs> so <laughs> so that might play to their advantage a little bit. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that's I, I, you know, looking at that that game on Friday, um, it, it should be a, a nice, I would think, a nice atmosphere for me. You know, six thirty start on a Friday night, with you know, no um, no football game at Bedford this week. Um, you know, just just what do you maybe expect from a game like that? I mean, obviously both teams can score, but but they also play pretty good defense. Um, yeah, I mean, Bedford's. Bedford's D, Bedford's D is tough. I mean, Maxine Morse in their backfield is is a, a real problem to get around. And then once she has it, she distributes really well. Um, and and I think Bedford is really strong on a quick counterattack. So uh, Exeter is going to really need to make sure that they they hustle back to be able to beat them because it is like that marquee matchup, six thirty at night at home. Like that's the game of the week for Bedford. Um, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a really excellent game. Um, we played Bedford quite a bit this summer and, uh, yeah, they, they make it tough. They have some girls that can really move the ball and, and they're great at finishing. Uh, and then for, for Wyndham, um, you know, they, they finish out last week with that one, nothing win over Keene, which, um, you know, I want to talk about them a little bit too, because I think, you know, I, I, they got off to a good start, a couple of, of 4 nothing wins over Merrimack and South to start their year. And then, speaking of Bedford, they go to Bedford on that first uh, first Friday in September. And, uh, you know, they don't win, but they, they they lose 4-3 to three to Bedford, which, like we were saying, Bedford's been putting up a ton of goals and, and really yeah. not giving up a lot. And to come out with a 4-3 a loss there I thought was kind of eye-opening. Um, yeah, I think I – th- well, I think that one – I think that one might have been at Keene, actually. Oh, you're but right. Yes, event, it was. I mean, it was at Keene. I'm sorry. Three, that's a, the three. Those three one-goal losses that yeah. Keene's had are against some some really good teams. So I don't think I don't think Keene losing three in a row means that you can count them out by any stretch of the imagination. If they're hanging with Bedford and Dover and Wyndham, that tells me there's just a couple of couple of tweaks they need to make before they're going to be rolling strong again i mean that those that's nothing to nothing to sneeze at for sure no, no i mean i mean yeah i'm sure it's probably frustrating um you know, and, but i mean they've got a stretch coming up too where they you know they could really take advantage of of some winnable games um you know they they get bg and salem who are i think are, are two you know maybe maybe not you know top tier teams in the division but definitely tougher yeah. opponents i mean you look at what salem's done um you know, this year defensively, they don't, they haven't given up a ton. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, but both of those games are at Keene. Uh, and then they play at Timberlane, uh, at Central West, and then at Memorial, and then home to North over to finish out the month. I mean, that that's a, a stretch where they could really pick up, um, you know, or make up for some of those losses. 
Yeah, definitely. I think they've I think they've faced most of their tougher opponents already. Yeah. Um. So I I expect Keane's going to put together a really good run for the rest of the month. Yeah. There's another another game. Um. Actually, on Monday that that Wyndham's got that I'm I'm kind of curious to see how that goes. And they that's um they're they're hosting Pinkerton, uh Monday afternoon, and uh, yeah, you know, kind of a, a surprise I think last year to see you know Pinkerton miss out on the playoffs. Um, they opened the year with a 5-1 loss at Bedford, but then turn around and, and have won the last three, um, you know, all by shutouts. So I think this is kind of an interesting one, too. Kind of where, you know, it's it's hard to tell where where is Pinkerton in all of this, um, this mix. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know that Pinkerton's seen enough, like, diversity of opponents, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like right. Timberlane South and Memorial are all kind of right around the same like kind of the same caliber right now right um so uh, that one will definitely be interesting i think that's going to be a real a real test for for pinkerton for sure um you know i think they're definitely the underdog in that one but uh, you know (laughs) they can pull it out too and they're well coached and they they have weapons so um who knows um you know and then one other team i wanted to to you know bring up in division one too uh was uh was conquered um i had a chance to see them again again at i feel like i've been at Wyndham a lot this year between field hockey and football so it's that's kind yeah. of a an odd way to start the season um at one school a, a lot but anyway um yeah i saw Concord play at Wyndham to open the season um you know and they lost that one four to one but it looked like it you know I, I think maybe that one was a little bit deceiving i don't think that was a three goal game as much as it may have looked um, you know, you know, looking at the score, uh, and then Concord's bounced back with with um, four wins in a row. With the last one this past Friday, uh, you know, one nothing win over uh, Dover, which was their first Dover. loss of the year. So that yeah. one kind of that one kind of made me think. Okay, maybe Concord is is still up at the kind of the top of the division there. Yeah, I mean, I, I only one goal against in the last four, definitely definitely says something and i think that that one that one uh nothing win over dover is like i think that's a good statement game for them right like every every year i feel like each team throughout their season has their one like big statement game where they're like yep this is you know this is where our bar is now set this is how we're going to execute the rest of the way and they can kind of build off that and i think that game was that for concord yeah they and they had a game like that last year too again at wyndham um, I think they were the only team to beat Wyndham during the regular season. And, um, it, it, yeah, that game felt, it was later in the year, but it kind of felt like that too, that, that they were, it was a win that was kind of like, all right, well, yeah, we, we're still in the conversation here too. Yeah. Yeah. Just that prove it to yourself. I, you know, we can do this. We deserve to be talked about kind of thing. They, you know, I think they put themselves on the map with that one. Yeah. You know, when you, when you look at, um, you know, division one, is there anybody that's kind of surprised you this year? Like, like I know we we talked you know about Keen um, with with some of those close losses and um, you know what what are where exactly does Pinkerton fall? But is there anybody that you look at and you're kind of like, you know, oh, I didn't expect that from from them, or they're playing a little bit better than maybe I thought they were. Um, I I the the sheer amount of goals that Bedford is scoring, yeah, is is definitely something that is is turning heads i think um you know you look at those numbers and and yes they you know they haven't had a shutout yet but when you're scoring five eight 
eight, four, and two goals a game or whatever it's been like. <laughs> they can, <laughs> you, yeah, you can afford. You know, you can afford that in those situations. So, um, yeah, I mean, that for me is like that's a big wow. Like the number of just the number of goals they're scoring is is huge. Yeah, yeah, like maybe you're up like eight nothing late in the game, and you you start to pull. You know, the JV's going in, and and yeah. you know someone gets one on you. Then, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, so I was uh, I, before you know before we did this earlier, you know, today I'm looking over at Division Two, and uh, <laughs> that was a terrible transition, by the way. We're we're gonna go oh, talk about no, Division Two now. You did great. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I've ever done this before or anything. Nah, you're fine. <laughs> You know, it, but but I was I was I was looking over Division Two to try to find some of the same kind of you know kind of storylines, and you know I look at the top of the standings, and you've got you know Portsmouth, John Stark, Sauhegan, Hanover, Kennet, all at that top there, um, which is kind of what you, you I think maybe we expected coming into this year, but then after that it kind of it, it's like a little bit of a. a mess <laughs> yeah for lack yeah, of a nicer word for sure and i'm and i'm wondering is it you know looking at, at some teams have played as many as five games some teams have played you know three is it just that that some of these games have just haven't gotten played and you'll find out a little bit more or about these teams just as we go it's i guess maybe is it too early to look at the division and say well this is kind of uh or, or we know this or we know that I, it's interesting, right? Like, so this year is the first year we've had this number of teams in D2, right. right? 20 teams is just massive. So when you have that large of a number, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be a spread, right? You're going to have the parity kind of goes away a little bit. I think when you start making divisions that large. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I think, I think the top is pretty, I think the top's pretty clear. Um, the and and then I think we, in the middle, I think we just need more time to shake some yeah. things out because weather has been just bananas this year. I know, like Gosstown, it took them forever to get a game in because you know we all kind of had that that first August twenty sixth date to play washed out by a big line that kind of passed through the whole middle of the state. I think only the Seacoast got games in that day. Um, and then, you know, that bumped everybody. And then they had a heck of a time when they went up to Hanover and had a thunder delay that ended up being a full cancellation. So I, I think I think we do need a little bit more time to kind of round out the top of that division. Right. Um, and and see, you know, what the playoff picture is going to look like with 20 teams. I mean, I'm trying to do quick math in my head. <laughs> I think it's, I think that puts, or you, you think of the playoff number? Yeah. I think it's 14. I'm is it, pretty I sure think it's it 14. is 14 yeah. as well, which, yeah. which means that what only the top two get a buy. Yeah. I think that that yeah. sounds right. Which, you know, in every other year past in the top five. So I think as the, as this season progresses, the, the division is going to, is going to, you know, I think competition is going to become more, heated as as you know you're vying for those top spots to to get in um I, I think it also sets up too um you know i feel like of the three divisions division two is the one that maybe most consistently has an upset in the quarterfinals you know yes. last year of course you had you know goffstown as the nine, the nine yep. seed and even even lebanon um you know as the five going to john stark and 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 beating them i know it's a four five is not 
mm-hmm. that much of an upset. Um, you know, but it's still going on the road and winning the playoffs. Um, right. But I feel like I, I feel like because of you know just the number of teams and and you don't get as maybe a, a balance you know as nearly a balanced schedule as Division One. Um, right. You see a lot of that, and then this year I think it's just going to be even more so. Uh, that that is set up to happen. Maybe maybe you get a couple of teams that that pull that off. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think it is still super early <laughs> to even <laughs> to even guess. I mean, I I really do I really do think that you know Portsmouth, Sauhegan, and Stark. Um, I think those three are going to stay at the top of the division. Um, but uh, saying that too, there are also some opponents in this division that can pull off some big wins at, at any day. And I, I think that there are some, there are some real teams that, you know, maybe haven't gotten off to the start that they've wanted to. Um, but as the season progresses, I really expect to do some, to do some surprising things. Yeah. I mean, you were, you know, we were talking about Bedford and what they've, their kind of goal differential, I guess, if you will. Um, in Division One, yeah, and you look at, at John Stark and, and Portsmouth both at at, at five and zero, oh, um, with only only having allowed one goal uh, for each of them this year. And I know the Portsmouth one came in that uh, win over Derryfield. That was on a, a a penalty stroke late in the game. Yeah. Um. You know, so that's kind of a. It, it'll be interesting, and they they've got a game against each other coming up. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a little ways away on the calendar, but they neither one plays a ton of games in between um, on the yeah. the twenty second. Um, so that's that's one to keep an eye on too. I, I, you know, again one of those ones like we talked, you know, with Exeter and Bedford. It's like does, you know, they may put up a lot of goals, but don't expect to see a lot of goals in that in that, that game. Right, and and so Hegan's in that mix yeah. too, where you know Portsmouth, Portsmouth, Stark, and us all play each other within a week. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's going to be, I'm excited for the end of this month. Cause that's going to be, that's going to be some really great field hockey to watch. I mean, Stark's defense is, is a huge story for, for me. I mean, what they've been able to do, Jackie uh, O'Donnell in the backfield um, and Edie and net have, you know, that makes it, that makes it really tough for opponents to score. And they've got some great speed up front and some really young talent. So, yeah, they are not the Stark of the old days. That's for sure. These <laughs> these these people can play. <laughs> well, and it, and it seems like they've got maybe something. Um, I I mean, just looking at, at their you know their um, the results from their their games. It I mean they've got th- what three goalies and they're playing all three of them. It sounds like. Yeah. Um, and all three of them are, are performing well. I mean, at least from from what I mean, I, mean, I haven't seen them yet. Um, you know, in the regular season. I mean, that's that's got to be close to unheard of to to be able to put, you know, one of three goalies or or maybe, you know, pick between one of two and and you don't see much of a drop off. Right. Oh, no. When you have a tandem or or three goalies you can throw in at any given time, you know, are you it's a rough life to live, I guess, for Dennis over (laughs) over there. You're flipping a coin every day. Like, how are you deciding when you have that caliber, you know, of depth? But that's such a great problem to have. Yeah, it, it it I suppose it really really is. Um, you know, it, I guess um, you know, maybe this is going back to to um, you know, what we were saying to start with the division um kind of till too early to tell, but but from what has happened, is there anybody that or anything 
that has kind of that kind of opened your eyes like uh even if it's just like a, a result like oh wow I, that was a score that was you know not what i was expecting um I'm trying to think because there have been some that have gone um Merrimack Valley's been one that I've a team that I've been watching. Yeah. Um, and in looking at their results, I think um they obviously have some pieces to work with, but it almost seems they're kind of a little Jekyll and Hyde on some days. Right. Um, you know, where they're six one against Sanborn and then four two at Leb. Like the trip to Leb, <laughs> wherever <laughs> you're from, like that's not an easy trip to make. Yeah. I know Valley's got a little bit of a jump on me. They're halfway there already, but it's not an easy job. That's not an easy trip to make and to go there and to put up those numbers. Like they, they have the pieces, um, getting them to click consistently, I think is something that, um, we can watch for, but I wouldn't, I think, you know, I think that's going to be, that's, they have the potential to be a playoff team. And just like, um, uh, oh, who are we talking about? Was it, Keen, who's gotten their yeah. their toughest opponents over already? Yeah, right. I think yeah. Merrimack Valley's in the same boat. You know, they've already seen Stark, and that was a one goal game. They've already seen Portsmouth. Um, they don't see us at Sohegan. So um I think they've gotten their toughest opponents over with already. So, you know, if they can put together two, three wins here at Hollis, Pelham Bow. Um, you know, that could be what they need to kind of jumpstart them and, and get into that winning habit. Yeah. You, you mentioned the, the, you know, up and down there and in between those two wins, um, they lose one, nothing to Dairyfield. Right. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, kind of a little, um, little all over the place right now. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that, that game against, uh, Bo, and it seems like everybody that, that game, uh, scheduled for the, the 24th. So a week from or two weeks from, from this past Saturday. Um, yeah. I feel like that's a, that's a huge day for everyone. I like, there's so many games on that day. Um, I know it's, uh, kind of a, a rivalry type of weekend there. If you're looking at some of the other sports, I know, yeah. you know, the North South games are that weekend, Mac plaques that weekend. Um, so kind of an, that's going to be an interesting day to kind of keep an eye on some things. Cause you've got every, it feels like almost everybody playing Saturday morning that week. Yeah. I think, I think that's a big homecoming weekend yeah. for a lot of schools. Um, and just the proximity of Merrimack Valley and Bo too. I mean, you got, that's, that's a rivalry in and of itself. So to, to have that as like a homecoming game too, I think, I think that'll be a, that'll be a great game. We haven't seen Merrimack Valley, but we did play Bo and, and, they don't make things easy on you. Like you yeah. have to go out there and, and earn it for sure. So um, that'll be a good game, I think. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to, to Division Three. And I, I will admit I haven't had a chance to see um, too many of these teams. Um, actually, yeah, really at all. Um, this is probably my 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 biggest blind spot. I think in, in covering the sport is that you know being in Nashua, there's not really a, a Division Three team that's. Uh, that's you know less than Local. 45 <laughs> minutes away right right <laughs> you know, um but i mean looking at again looking at scores um you know the team that kind of stands out to me is is conant what what they've been yeah. able to do i mean they opened the season with a a 5-1 win over bishop brady who was you know been in the finals what three or four years in a row i think right. three years in a row um mm-hmm. you know i know they lost a lot of those kids but still um you know a team that that you expect to kind of be right there and then you know, since then haven't allowed a goal. Yeah, I think, so the interesting thing for me about D3, because again, like I, I think the closest one would be Hopkinton, right? Yeah. Um, 
Hopkinton but, or Messenic? I can't remember. Right. I looked this up the other a couple weeks ago, and I can't remember which one was closer. Which one's actually closer? Yeah, but <laughs> it's I it's the difference like, of like five minutes, I think. Right. <laughs> I feel like for for a while, D three was pretty regular with who their top five were, and yeah. I feel like this is kind of the first year where everything feels a little up for grabs. Like. Yeah. It's, you know, things don't feel the way they have before teams are putting together runs that, that I haven't seen in that division. Um, so I think, you know, I think it'll be fun. Maybe this is where you, you branch out and head up the 89 <laughs> corridor a little bit and <laughs> or, get or, past the scenic. And, yeah. I was going to say, weave, things. weave my way out West through, uh, off of one one Oh one. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but cause there, I mean, there, there are some, there are some great teams there. We saw Hopkinton, um, a bit this summer because they're you know close enough to kind of jump in the leagues um and you know they've they've always been kind of a powerhouse in d3 so um you know i know that they're struggling to get things going right now um which is a little bit surprising because i've always known them to be uh a strong team right uh stevens as well um they're two and two so you know I think I think it's another one of those things too where it's still pretty early. You know, we're only a couple weeks into the season really and and maybe that just needs some time to shake itself out, but um but yeah, I mean there are some good teams in, in D three and, and Conan's right at the top there. I mean and they're they're scoring goals they're, regularly uh, as well. They're looking at a, a big week coming up too. Um, you know, they are one of what, I think four teams in the division that are Undefeated, uh, three t- three teams. Um, they're at four and zero. Messenic three and zero. Guilford three and zero. Newport, not I think, was up until recently. Uh, they're at three and one. But those are the next three teams on Conan's schedule. They go to Guilford uh, on Wednesday, and then to Messenic on Saturday, and then uh, to Newport the following Tuesday on the twentieth. Yeah, so that's, three um, big games on the road. Yeah, yeah, on the road. <laughs> Against uh, against the the other teams at the top of the stand, so we'll kind of know a little, you know, how how for real they are and how for real some of those other teams are. Absolutely, uh, yeah. My next... dad, my dad always used to tell me that was put up or shut up time, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you get those three big ones on the road, like let's go. Time to find out yeah. if 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 this four and zero run is is real. So, um, yeah, huge week. I know any uh, any other thoughts on on anything that's been going on uh, in the world of field hockey early this year? Um, no, so far <laughs> I, I think so far everything's everything's going going well. I mean, I guess um, overall, I think I'm a little shocked. I guess might be the word. Disappointed would be the one that would come next about um, just programs kind of dropping numbers so yeah um i hope that we can you know put our heads together and find ways to beef up you know some sub varsity programs so we can get more girls involved so that we can get all of our girls playing but i also you know appreciate all the coaches flexibility and and ad's flexibility to get as many games in for our players as we can to keep them developing and growing because that you know is realistically what's going to build programs right like kids have a great experience they go grab their friends and start playing so um yeah I, I i'm looking forward to to figuring out how to how to bring some numbers back in and i think you know doing podcasts like this and getting the word out there and having everybody subscribe to new hampshire high school sports 
for all their field hockey content will definitely help. <laughs> yeah, uh, and 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 I I need to keep up with it and make sure I'm uh, I'm getting that that info out there as well. Yeah, and I'm glad that we were able to do this to get this together. Um, you know, trying to trying to coordinate these. Um, I I found you know one it for a while there one was was trying to do one a week was was pretty tough and I feel like I finally mastered that. And uh, and I, I know I talked to you about this, but in the spring I tried to do start girls lacrosse too, and um, mm-hmm. we did a grand total of zero girls lacrosse podcasts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, adding the second one uh, is is a little bit tough, obviously tougher to coordinate. But um, I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like this could be uh, we could keep this rolling and and uh, and and provide everybody with the with the coverage and information that they deserve. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to do it, and I I look forward to to being a part, and hopefully I can. It'll give me an excuse to get out and see some extra field hockey games. Yeah, hopefully the the family will understand. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll just about do it for for uh, for this week. Awesome. Thanks, right. Joe. Well, yeah. Uh, this is uh, Kelly Braley, uh, Sauhegan AD and uh, field hockey coach. Thank you again for joining me. Always a pleasure. And I am Joe Marcellina, and we will talk to you soon.